Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Hello. I miss seeing you, and I really look forward to the time when we can be back together again. But thank God for technology, right? As we continue praising God in these very strange times that we're separated. So let me ask you again, how are you doing with all the separation? Uh, you know, for some of you, perhaps it's a, a welcome time, perhaps a chance to slow down, a chance to connect with some people you live with. Uh, but I know for those I've spoken with also, it's been a very difficult time. It's a very hard season for you. I mean, you love your spouse or maybe you love your kids, but you need some time apart, right? Maybe it's that or maybe you're struggling with some very real worries that you bring today. Worries about health or finances, worrying about relationships, or maybe you're worried about worry, right? You know, one of the challenges is just not knowing when this is all going to end. And just that not knowing is really hard for all of us. It can be very stressful. So however you come today, know that God sees you. He, he knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're worried about. He, he knows where you're coming from. And so whether it's with praise on your lips or with grief in your heart, God himself Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he sees you, he knows you, he loves you, and he wants you to know you are welcome in his presence, and he wants to minister to you today. So I'm going to ask you, would you join me in a prayer? Let's pray. God, would you open us up to your word? We know you've gifted us with your Holy Spirit to help us to hear you, to help us to know what you want us to do, to empower us. And so, Lord, may we be open to your word today. Speak to us, comfort us, challenge us, encourage us, Lord. Give us perseverance, even help us have more faith. And God, we know you're going to send your son Jesus to come back to make all things new. But until that day, fill us with hopeful expectation that we can experience your life in the midst of difficult times. So, Lord, thank you for inviting us to hear from your word today, to inviting us to worship you today, inviting us to sense your presence today. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. If you would, would you turn with me to John chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 1, 2, and 3 this morning. Jesus says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to be with myself, that where I am, you may be also. And then Jesus says in Revelation 22:20, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Now, we've been studying the Gospel of John the past several weeks, and little did we know last February that when we packed out this sanctuary that we would be, in the month of May, quarantined at home. None of us knew that. And it looks like we'll be doing this for a little bit longer, right? But God knew exactly this was going to happen, and God knows exactly when things will change for us. Our job is to stay connected 
to the vine. Stay connected to the source. See, God, I think, wanted us to hear that opening lines of John 1, verse 1, when we started the series, where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, to remind us of who Jesus is, the great I Am. This great I am who went on to say in the Gospel of John, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And today, we're going to hear Jesus say, I am coming back. Look at verse 3 with me, if you would. In verse 3, Jesus says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Now, there's a lot of debate, of course, about Jesus' return. The Bible talks about Jesus' return involving some kind of rapture. That's where believers will be taken up to the sky to greet King Jesus, who's coming back towards earth in his glory. Now, maybe back in 2012, you heard about this story. It actually was a false story, but it was a story that the Mayan calendar was predicting that on December 21st, 2012, all the world would come to destruction. It was the end of the world. Now, obviously, it didn't happen, right? But it didn't stop some sarcastic folks to try to poke fun at some Christians who were preparing for a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, that pre-trib rapture, it's that view where Jesus will come back and take away Christians up into the sky before the tribulation happens, before any of the bad things happen on earth. And so these atheists actually started this company called Eternal Earthbound Pets. And it was a business supposedly started by an atheist who promised to take care of all of the pets left behind by their Christian people, the Christian owners who were raptured, right? Now, of course, there's debate. Are animals going to be in heaven? Personally, I'm hoping that will be true. Our beloved pets, beloved animals will be there. I just don't want mosquitoes, and I don't want bats, and I don't want creepy crawly things, mainly. Maybe snakes as well. But the idea is that since non-believers would be left on earth, that they would be available to take care of Christian owners, pets who have been raptured. Now, of course, for a small fee. Now, the apocalypse didn't happen in 2012, but there were, I guess, a number of Christians who wanted to put down deposits, and the story goes that the owner admitted that this was all a big hoax. He never was going to start this company to take care of Christian owners' pets. But let me tell you, the Bible's not a hoax. Jesus really is coming back. And we Christians, we believe that Jesus is coming back but here's the thing, all of us Christians, we disagree on exactly how it's going to happen. We disagree on the rapture and the timing and how it'll look like on earth and if people will be left behind or not and what will this look like. And so what do we do for us Christians when we disagree so much? So first of all, I want to say this. We need to recognize that the Bible does talk a lot about Jesus' second coming. In fact, depending on how you interpret the Bible, some would say, you can read in the Bible, that Jesus' second coming has five times more references than Jesus' first coming. Now, even last week, I was on a phone call with about two dozen men, and guess what our topic was? It was 1 Thessalonians, and we were talking about Jesus' return, we're talking about the rapture. And as we went through 1 
Thessalonians. We saw Paul who's speaking to Christians, these believers, who were convinced that Jesus was coming back very soon, but they were really worried because they knew some people had, had died already, and maybe they were concerned that they'd missed the rapture somehow. And so Paul is trying to assure them in the book of 1 Thessalonians that we will see, Paul says, Jesus' visible return. You'll know when he comes. You haven't missed it yet. You will know. You'll see him come. He'll be coming in the clouds, and believers will greet King Jesus in the sky. Now, but there's a lot of different ways to faithfully interpret all these different end times events. Some say Christians will be raptured before the tribulation. That's called the pre-tribulation view. Others say it's mid-tribulation. That's called the mid-trib view. And of course, others say it's post-tribulation. That's that believers actually will be suffering first and then raptured. Now, I have my own personal convictions about all these views, and there's many other views as well. And here's the thing. I could be wrong about my personal convictions, what I think the Bible says. So instead of me trying to insist that my view is right, here's what I'm trying to do in my life. I'm trying to boldly proclaim what Jesus clearly says. And he clearly says in Matthew 24, 44, this, be ready, be ready. I'm coming back. Be ready. I want to be ready for his return more than being right about the timing. When you disagree over difficult doctrines, we should care more about the relationship than care about being right. Let me ask you, are you ready for Jesus' return? That's the most important thing. Are you ready? Are you ready by following Jesus? Are you being made ready by allowing him to shape your life and shape your thinking and shape your actions? Is this time of uncertainty helping to shape you more into the loving and boldly courageous, gracious love of Jesus? Is this time shaping into that person? Are you getting closer to Jesus while you wait for him? Do you care for the things that Jesus cares about? The things that are on his heart, are they on your heart? Jesus says in John 14, verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, first I want to say this. Jesus is not saying something you might think. What Jesus is not saying is, I'm disappointed in you for not being more optimistic. That is not what Jesus is saying. These are hard times for many. And the last thing I want you to hear today is that Jesus is disappointed in you for having a troubled heart. See, Jesus was about to be uh, crucified. He was about to be betrayed. He was about to be abandoned. And his disciples were about to run off being scared and they were going to scatter. And so what Jesus is saying is that when trouble comes, you can receive his gracious and tenacious peace. Let not your hearts be troubled. He wants you to know that you can turn to him right now with your troubles. Let not your hearts be troubled. King David even prayed in Psalm 56.3, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Not if I am afraid, but when I am afraid. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And again, David says in Psalm 34.18, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. God promises to comfort us when we have troubled hearts.
And so hear Jesus' words again. He's not disappointed in you. He's welcoming you with your troubled heart to bring it to him. Now, Jesus gives them a specific reason as well why their troubled hearts can have peace. See, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look at John 14, verses 26 through 27. Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. See, our hearts can have peace because Jesus gifts us his very own spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is our advocate, our teacher, our comforter. The Holy Spirit, he convicts, he guides, he reveals, he empowers, he encourages, he leads, he intercedes, he transforms, he seals, he strengthens, he fills, he sanctifies, and he even prays. Yes, the Holy Spirit even prays, the Bible says. See, Paul reminds us that when our hearts are troubled, the Spirit prays for us when we find it hard to pray ourselves. Romans 8, 26 and 27 say, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. You need to hear that. That God's own spirit is given to us as believers and his love for us is so strong that when we are too weak to pray, he prays for us. So when Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, it's because he knows until he returns that we have the Holy Spirit with us, comforting us. And even if you're overwhelmed right now and can hardly find the words to pray, you can know the spirit himself is praying for you with such heartfelt passion that the Bible describes it as groans that words cannot express. God isn't mad at your troubled heart. He enters into your struggles. God himself is crying, the Bible says, crying out over your tears. So no, God is not disappointed in you, but he does want to encourage you with the reality that he is coming back. John 14, 2, Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? My friends, what a comfort it is to know that while we wait, God is at work. The great King is working on a home for you. The great King is at work. I want you to take a look at this video about this great King. Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? 
He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Terror couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! Isn't it amazing to know that this great king is working for you right now? You know, in Psalm 23, I've been doing these twice-weekly devotionals you can find on our website. And I was looking at that section in Psalm 23. And you prepare a table before me, before my enemies. Isn't that amazing that God describes himself? as one who's going to be serving you. As King David wrote that psalm, he, he saw the Lord hosting him, serving him, cooking for him, welcoming him, pouring oil on his head, filling his cup over. God himself was serving him. This is the great king who promises to come back to us, to come get us. And it's the great king who promises that he has not abandoned us right now. He is here working for us, praying for us, serving us. I love how Anne Voskamp says, when your faith is in the one who writes the story, you can always trust the end of the story. See, the end of the story is great news. He is making a room for us. He's preparing a table for us. The great King of Kings will, will welcome us home. The Spirit sustains us until Jesus returns. That's the King who's coming back. In John 15, 12, 
right after this section, Jesus makes it very clear what he wants from us until he comes again. And he says this in John 15, 12. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Just last week, we delivered another car seat for the children at need at the Kinship Center. And I've been so encouraged to hear all the other ways that our church family is sharing God's love, how you're helping others with food and hygiene masks or a drive-by birthday celebration. Because Jesus makes it clear, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So keep serving the homeless. Keep blessing those who are first responders. Keep sharing encouraging words to those who are discouraged right now. Keep looking outside of yourself to show God's love. I don't know if you know the myth of the beautiful God, Narcissus. It says that when he was so enthralled with his own reflection in a pool of water that he drowned while staring at himself. You see, the true God, his love is wholly different from narcissism. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need our love. He doesn't need our worship. We need his love. We need to worship him. See, God's love is a wholly different kind of love because God's love is a perfect love and perfect love always overflows. Perfect love always shares. And so when you are comforted by the reality of God's Holy Spirit, his holy presence, you won't get fixated on yourself because perfect love always overflows. And so let's learn our lesson and not get distracted by looking too long in that mirror, right? Staring at our beauty. And let's not look too long in that mirror, maybe staring at ourselves and being paralyzed by the pain in our lives, a very real pain, or being paralyzed, but maybe a sense of our own failures. Let's not stare in the mirror too long. Let's stare in the eyes of the king, the one who's present, the one who says, I'm coming back, the one who's working for us right now. Bob Goff says it this way. He says, each of us is a conduit of love. We have the ability to shape and transform one another through acts of love. The reason is simple, he says. God gives us each other. See, Jesus says until he returns, we should listen to the Spirit and do what he says to do. And so you can bring your whole self, you can bring your troubled heart to Jesus, and yet put your eyes on him. Bring it to him. Bring it to his Spirit. The Spirit who is helping us to live each day with purpose as we pray and live in faith. And as we soak in his love, we share it. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And finally, to remind us, Jesus says those words in Revelation 22:20. 20, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. I am coming soon. When, Jesus, we don't know. But he's coming soon. A joke goes that a child wanted something from God, so she asked God a question. God, how long is a million years to you? And God answered, it is but a second, my child. Well, God, how much is a million dollars to you? My child, it is but a penny to me. Then the girl asks a strategic follow-up question. She asked God, can I have one of your pennies? And God answered, yes, it'll be just a second. Now, we don't know when 
Jesus is coming back. Will it be this year or a hundred years from now or when? But we do know that he is coming. We do know he says, be ready. He wants us to be ready. So I want to invite you to avoid the temptation of being paralyzed by staring at yourself. Put your eyes on him. I want you to avoid the, the problems of being paralyzed at staring at your own faults, your own failures. Keep looking to him. Instead, let's turn our attention. Let's turn our eyes upon Jesus. So look full in his wonderful face. We're not avoiding ourselves, but we're offering our whole selves to him. All of our emotions, all of our pain, all of our praise, all of our emotions, all of us to King Jesus this king who is serving us right now, this king who is praying for us, this king who is promising to come back, this king who will do everything that you might be with him face to face one day. Now, we don't know when this season of struggle will go away, but we know his Holy Spirit is with us in our weakness. I love how Brennan Manning says this, at an exact day and hour known only to the Father, Jesus Christ, the King of glory, will upstage all the beautiful, the famous, the powerful people who ever lived. And every man and woman who has ever drawn breath will be appraised, evaluated, and measured solely on the terms of the relationship with the carpenter from Nazareth. Jesus is coming back. He promises He's promising that he is at work making a room for you on his father's royal estate that makes you royalty and that he's coming back soon for you and for me. And so turn your troubled heart towards him and know that he is near. He's not disappointed in your troubled heart. He wants you to come near with it. He will not waste anything in your life if you hand it to him. And so would you please join me in prayer? Oh, Jesus, give us the confidence that we can come to even right now, wherever we are, Wherever we're sitting, wherever we are, are being with people right now, or maybe we're by ourselves, we can come to you knowing that you are not repelled by our doubts. You're not repelled by our troubled hearts. You come near. And so, Lord, in that nearness, would you help us to turn our gaze upon you, on the truth that you are coming back soon. We don't know when, but we know how we are to live. We are to be ready. We know how we are to live. We are to love one another. We are to be conduits of your love. We are to love one another sacrificially as you have shown us how to do. So Lord, help us to know how to do that this week. Lord, help us to pray and help us to know even when we have trouble praying that you're praying for us. Thank you, Jesus, for that truth that you're with us and you are coming back. Help us to believe it. We ask this in your name, King Jesus. Come soon. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.